Hi. I got a tape I want to play. Just what do you think you're doing, Dave? Your move, creep. Take me to the volcano! So why don't you make like a tree and get out of here? Come with me if you want to live. This town needs an enema. Like I said, I need a bacchiatomy. Yes, that's a human ear, all right. I got a bad feeling about this. So it's come to this. The future. Ooh, it's about time. <laughs> it is about time. <laughs> hey, look at that. I'm Eric. I'm Charlie. This is a movie podcast. We like to talk about movies. Oh, and yeah. one topic that I guess we've been too scared to approach for a while is time travel. <laughs> Terrifying. Time travel scares me. <laughs> time travel as a concept scares me. It's not great. And uh, I think that's why the earliest time travel movies we did talk about, The Terminator... We did cover the Terminator. Terminator's the scariest movie to me. Yeah. I time travel always falls into the wrong hands. And <laughs> Yeah, that's the number one problem. And yet some movies about time travel can be so sweet. And this is one of them, one of my favorites. I love Time After Time. Yeah. This is a new discovery for me. This is a movie I've been meaning to watch for probably ten years. Yeah, yeah. Uh ever since I heard the plot synopsis. Right. It was like, oh, it's this a fun is idea. Totally up my alley. And then never watched it. And then never watched until, it. Until sure. until this week. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad that I finally got the chance because I loved it. It was great. Are are you a big fan of the time machine? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like the classic uh mm-hmm. HG Wells stuff for sure. Growing up right. read those books. Yeah, and that old movie with the the creepy yeah, yeah. I think that's that's a movie I remembered seeing like younger. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I also like the idea of of like writing a book about a cool guy who's also like really accomplished and also immediately woos a woman from deep into the future yeah. and also has my exact name. <laughs> <laughs> that's good stuff. Like, how right do you there. how do you pull that move? Right? Oh, yeah, this guy's really cool. His, his jawline, it's cut. It's cut. Oh, it's so, his face is so sculpted. But he's a total sweetheart, too, guys. Wonderful man, also. <laughs> Humanitarian. A gentleman, a gentleman, first and foremost. Yeah. And he has my name. And it's me. He is my exact <laughs> full middle and last name. Like, Ian Fleming is a cool mm. British guy name. But he still said, no, you know, we better use James Bond. Right. I don't want to make this too obvious. Right, right. Like, I've just completed my novel about a man (laughs) who's just, like, really cool and nice to women and uh, also a legendary stuntman. Like, what if Mary Shelley's book was, like, just Shelley? (laughs) Yeah. Like, nah, I better change it to Frankenstein. Better say Frankenstein. Better name. Yeah. (laughs) It's just, so already I love this concept. This is a this is a guy putting it out there. The balls on the this. balls on this Wells guy, right? <laughs> to be a Herbert, and yeah. to, this is a real Herbert thing. H. I love that he gets all his friends to call him HG. <laughs> yeah, he's like thankfully no, no. he's We're such a great guy that it catches on. They let his nickname stand. Yeah, but yeah, I'm, I'm into HG Wells stuff. I love you know Island of Doctor Moreau and mm. Invisible Man. Like this is yeah, yeah. up my alley. And uh, I yeah I love that 1960 movie i love the big build to the battle with the morlocks and uh it's actual kind of complex look at sci-fi that uh was really approachable for me yeah i like the sci-fi that's always like the cautionary tale yes and uh the the social 
I, I mean, I think it's got to be there, or, or else it's just pew pew. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, it really had a lot of substance. Yeah. in that one, and sometimes it was a little hammy, and uh, I really hate that the main love interest's name is Weena. <laughs> Ooh, I forgot that detail. And it's spelled like W E E N A. And there's even a scene where he spells her name. And you're just looking at this word Weena. And so he just keeps calling her a Weena the whole oh time. My God. It sounds awful. like he's doing like a fun bit where he calls her a maroon. Hey, you Weena. <laughs> and then there's a scene where he's chasing her and he just says Weena like 40 times. It's <laughs> like that movie where uh, Hal Holbrook's calling the guy Mitzi the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to die out here, Mitzi. <laughs> Weena. It's the most serious scene in the movie where he's just like trying to chase her from certain death. And yeah. the orchestration's just blaring. And he's just like, Weena! Weena! <laughs> yeah, that Rituals was such a terrifying movie. And Hal Holbrook is in this terrifyingly desperate performance uh, and he's just doing a whole vaudeville act with mitzi <laughs> total weena situation classic oh, weena classic weena <laughs> so this movie time after time is an update on the time machine it's a totally different twist and it is one of the most fun sweet inventive movies this is like the best kind of fanfic right this is like all right so the basic one sentence plot is hg wells pursues jack the ripper into the 20th century after jack ripper steals his time machine (laughs) yeah yeah dude right (laughs) that's such a yes if there's anything about victorian england i like more than hg wells it's jack the ripper shit yeah (laughs) foggy slasher shit going into time travel real messed up stuff chasing it just chasing just a dude who like one thing about jack the ripper one thing that like you really get the sense for is like Dude just loves killing whores. <laughs> this guy's gonna do this through the ages. Yeah, this guy he can got, do it anytime. This guy is so into the idea of killing like late nineteenth century London whores that he's like, "What are the whores like in like ninety years?" <laughs> <laughs> he just wants it. He wants to experience what every generation has in prostitutes. Yeah, I wonder what those future alleys look like. Yeah, right? He just wanted to know. He's a man who dared to have just a specific sick dream. Yeah. Also good to know he's best friends with H.G. Wells. I love this. I love this friendship. This is a great friendship. Yeah. This whole movie. I really like what they have. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, it's such a... uh, Compared to the original Time Machine, it's very this stodgy... First 20 minutes of the original Time Machine is very droll man explaining time to other bearded men right right and it is like this could be a drag at times and this puts a whole fun almost satirical twist on it at the beginning where they're they're making jokes that are not uh they're more anachronistic Mm -hmm. and it's already just such a fun vibe on this kind of haunting time travel tale i love yeah uh Malcolm McDowell is H.G. Wells. Yeah. Is this is the like the most charming uh I actually would not have recognized it if I didn't <laughs> know it was him. Like yeah. he is just uh he looks totally different to me for some reason. Usually you don't get Malcolm McDowell playing like a David Hyde Pierce role. Exactly. Yeah, that's what, exactly what it is. Nineteenth <laughs> <is> century <laughs> like a yeah, yeah. Fraser's he's usually brother. a lot more sinister. 
Yeah, he's got this like sandy blonde boy haircut. Uh, he's got, but it looked like a fake nose and ears too. I don't, yeah. I don't know. Maybe it was me. But he's such a hard-edged, nasty dude in so many movies that to see him as this like almost naive, childish scientist full of wonder who then has to chase down his best friend who's a serial who's killer. also the most infamous serial killer of the time. I uh, Yeah, it was just such a <laughs> charming is the word I'm thinking of. I, I mean, this just... had to have been a blast for McDowell. He had just filmed Caligula. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> this must have been a dream. This is probably a, a yeah, total breeze. A vacation for him at that yeah. point. I heard so I read th- I read this uh that he was really excited and he really got into the idea of playing H. G. Wells and he tracked down a seventy eight to hear what Wells sounded like, mm-hmm. like a recording that he'd made. And then he had this squeaky, high pitched cockney accent oh. voice, and McDowell was like, Nope. Good call. Just gonna do my voice. Yeah. Just gonna sound like me. So this movie came out in like 79. Yeah. And it blew my mind to see that H.G. Wells lived until 1946. Right? That was, I was like, wait, what? Because I go, always just imagined you him as You can go down rabbit holes guy. finding weird celebrity, like, you know, living right. way longer, famous characters. Like right. the, the fact that Rosa Parks was alive in the 2000s. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's weird. When somebody pointed out that Rosa Parks could have seen both Shrek movies. <laughs> Hope she did. So yeah, just finding out something like that—it's always like, oh right, that's weird. Yeah. And uh, but this this movie is such a blast where we start with this kind of more stodgy British atmosphere that still has a playfulness about it, and within 15 minutes, not only have we seen slasher killings, mm. but we've got this great mystery plot and this great frantic police chase, and immediately 15 minutes in, we're traveling through time. Yeah, it's it just cuts right to this. Total adventure. Yeah, mm-hmm. the the opening Jack the Ripper kill is awesome. Yes. So suspenseful. This movie opens with this dark is like a and yeah. It's like a proto Friday the 13th. Let's like right, right. Like this movie that opens with this foggy you know, great like Dr. Caligari mm-hmm. cape and top hat silhouette look. Foggy London. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and that, that yeah, that first person perspective of jack the ripper yeah tracking this very whore. very like inventive <laughs> and scary for a for what turned out to be a very tame kind of slasher yeah pg very movie. like yeah a pg movie that used to get shown uncut on tv mm. there's no swearing you don't see any stabbing but there's this great haunting presence before it gets into more light-hearted silly tale right right that then keeps getting serious it's just a really great, complex, fun movie, but the opening, when we start traveling through time. Oh, man. Yeah. What a what a sequence. What? <laughs> I So I had this thing watching it where I was okay. like, I was like uh, the movie is doing like a time travel of like movie making in this one time travel sequence. Yeah. So here's how I break it down. The okay. F- the first half of when H.G. Wells has to get in the time machine to chase Jack the Ripper. Yeah, when he has to. Uh, yeah, he's got to go stop this guy from killing in the future. He knows. Jack the Ripper just wants to go to the future to kill. He knows it, too. He it's, knows it's it. not like, well, maybe he's just going to live a quiet life in, he knows in he 1979. Just wants to hunt he's like, oh, no, he's going to go kill people. Wants it. Uh, so, yeah, he has to get in his contraption. Cool. This, I love this little bug, like, little like anime mosquito looking, looking uh, anime yeah. <laughs> time machine. Very cool. With bejeweled on the side. 
But that's how they would have done it back in the day, right? Like yeah. you know, they would have done that rainbow pattern. Oh of, yeah, of stones so in the side of it, in this like copper. Also, I love field. all the like. We get a great like police chase through H.G. Wells' home because mm-hmm. they rush down, and every policeman has like a more and more complicated bit of facial hair. <laughs> and the hair. There's some phenomenal hair work. When you see David Warner come in as Jack the Ripper, and yeah. he's just got that giant mustache. Oh yeah, comical. Great mustache work, and he's like the. Fabulous Freak Brothers, man. Yeah, right. Just all like the big old. You get those great uh, the the Ambrose Burnside with the mut- mutton chops connecting to the mustache. Mm-hmm. The only tough, cool people can pull off. Right. You can't just be a wiener no. walking around with that. Not a, or a wiener. Not not no. a wiener with, with, <laughs> to rock the Burnside. But yeah, if you're not as cool as Harley Race, like if you've not <laughs> been in several bar fights, Harley Race, Harley Race, <laughs> the the wrestler. Oh oh yeah yeah the. Old brawler. Old brawler, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. A lot of brawlers. A lot of brawlers. You have to be. You have to be. So we get a great bit of facial hair work in our first five minutes of this movie before we get into our immediate time travel. Yeah, so when he gets in, he's he's got all the levers. I love all the, like analog technology that exists i like the addition of being able to set the specific date ahead of time to program it in that the original one just you kind of had to free solo it Mm -hmm, exactly to get to stop that's a nice new function things start rattling he knows he's about to travel through time and we get this like really (laughs) cheap weird segment of shots of of the time machine like rattling and this top is spinning, and <laughs> yeah. and Malcolm McDowell in his little like page boy look with this mustache is like looking around like who, oh 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 boy, and then it's like screws are going bing bing, and it's just like what the fuck is going on? <laughs> but then all of a sudden it cuts into this like 2001 Space Odyssey montage yeah. of all these, uh, and then it very much reminded me of like the opening of Contact. Yeah. Where you're getting all the audio cues through time. Okay, and you're getting dude. this worm. And no, hold on. You're getting the wormhole, right? <laughs> you're getting this funky, trippy '70s looking wormhole. Yeah. And then finally, we come out of it to the angelic voice of Corey Feldman. <laughs> it is it's a little toddler Feldman. It, it's like 30 years of filmmaking done in one sequence. Okay. And he predicted the future. He did. Adding Corey Feldman in there. He totally knew. He knew Feldman. It's amazing. There's a but I love this when we get this sudden it's not nearly as painstaking as the Superman the movie journey through time. (laughs) It takes its time. Where young Kal El has to learn in fucking real time about full events of history you're just like come on yeah yeah get to earth superman <laughs> but when we get that weird yeah we cut to like the 2001 light show mm-hmm. he's traveling through space and time and but we get all these famous sound bites of time <laughs> you love it it's too good but we get one hold on hold on hold on <laughs> well because the while you laugh that out, it's all sound bites like President Kenny was assassinated, no, no, that and then was it's it. like that. Okay. So we get like they're going fast though. Oh yeah. And so you get these quick clips of just sound bites from history, and so it goes, "Ask not," and then it goes to a guy immediately saying, "President Kennedy is dead." <laughs> 
Martin Luther King Jr. shot, and then like yeah, it's like Martin it's Luther like King Senator saying Kennedy. one word, yeah. and just like Martin Luther King dead. <laughs> it keeps saying so. Yeah, everybody dead. Just so it's this really. It was making me laugh, but it was also this great concise way to be like, yeah, here's all the shit that happened. Mm. Here's where everything got worse for each generation in three words. But I was also really laughing at the the hopefulness of the inaugural JFK speech immediately cut off by the dour newsman. Man, he's yeah. really getting a face full of it. It was tough. H.G. Wells has taken it. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't was not expecting that. Especially a movie that has such fun immediately then goes into such fun, like Mr. Bean kind of comedy. Oh yeah. Well then it's an extended sequence of him being the future? <laughs> What? All right. In fairness, we <laughs> would be trip. just fucked. Oh, I mean, 86 well, years from now? Not only does he come 86 years into the future or whatever, but he shows up in his own museum exhibit. Like, that would yeah. mess me up if I'm like 80 years from now, someone at the California oh, so Academy would... of Sciences is like, Charles Swanson, man of his time or something. Be like, why are you talking about me? I think I'd be into it. I think that says a it lot. Would, it would mess with me I think I'd up. be like, well, well, well. <laughs> Look what I'm about Look to do. Look what I well, did, huh? Yeah. Well, there's kind of a great line way at the end of this movie where he's arguing about going back into the past and saying and pointing to his own exhibit and saying, I have all these books to write. Yeah, yeah. Whatever they are. <laughs> <laughs> like, this idea that you became famous doing something, I think I would immediately be like, what did I do? It's like... Please, no genocide. That would, <laughs> Please, like, like yeah. a celebration of, oh, there it is. That would be the dream, though, is just to go into the future and grab a copy of all the books that you had to write <laughs> and just bring them back. Like, all right, head it's start. Everything. <laughs> Got this taken. This is the final edition right here. Yeah. But, yeah, we get the great McDonald's scene classic that feels like oh, something yeah. more out of, you know, coming to America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like a nice PG coming to America. Yeah, he has to go by all the Harry Krishnas. He has to, yeah, but it started to feel like a time capsule because, like, you don't see Harry Krishnas anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's such a thing that you see portrayed for a specific decade in yeah. a lot of movies. And I have never come across. We, we have been in San Francisco hundreds of times, right. you and I, and. I don't, I don't think they're allowed been to do their thing anymore. gone through a know. gang of 30 Hare Krishnas. <laughs> And then, like, Anywhere. yeah, that McDonald's scene is just like, oh, the old-looking menu God. and the old, old uniforms they're wearing. Right? Also, I love this Mickey D's had just a dozen women working at a breakneck pace behind the counter. <laughs> In green uniforms. I was wondering green, if... Yeah, aquamarine. I was like, is that McDonald's? the color they went with back? I mean, probably. Who it knows? looks great. Yeah. But, but there's also smaller, little funner attention to detail scenes, like his glasses getting broken, and then him being in an exhibit of his own desk. Pulling the new pair of glasses yeah. out of the drawer. That's fun. That's now, a lot of like back to the future kind of shit. Is it supposed so he thought he was gonna land back in London where he left. So Man, is the idea that I get so confused by time travel. There's a lot of shit in this movie that doesn't dumber. really make any nothing sense. Nothing makes me feel dumber than trying to iron out the physics and the possibilities of the time travel. But if if he was I love time if his travel whole movies, but office I get, got moved, does that mean he just moved with the office man, through time and he's in San Francisco? We can't now? get into it because I'm okay. gonna I don't want to sound this dumb. Time travel always confuses me, so I... I don't think you're dumb about something that doesn't exist. It's always a genre that I'm just like, I just have to take the ride and not think about any of this too hard. Yeah. Or else it's going to yeah. just mess with my viewing experience. Absolutely. And so I just lean into it, and I am don't question why uh, why 
a body traveled one way and then the, the vehicle came back. I don't know why the time machine came back. I don't know. They I don't try, know why yeah. he was able to do that. They so, do the laziest like little introduction. They're like, this is a safety device dude, where you'll die. Uh, this is a safety device we where really, you'll die. For a movie that I love and I think is one of the... I think it ranks with the best of the Back to the Future movies in a fun, uh, loving movie about time travel. But I hate the movie that introduces the clear ending of the movie <laughs> yeah. 10 minutes into the movie. When our main character introduces a the vaporizer equalizer, <laughs> who nobody asks any questions about, yeah. they just all go hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> well, yeah, through their like brandy and cigars. They're like HG's lost it now. Yeah, man. ten minutes in the movie, and then clearly explains like, ah, yes, without this, a man would be stuck forever in time. <laughs> <laughs> Like, well, there it is, folks. <laughs> Looks like we figured it out. Right. We figured out the one little stupid and then screw you've got the, that he takes out to that the whole movie hinges on. Yeah, it's like you do that and then right and then right after that it's like, You'll beat me when you can learn how to think like I do, HG. <laughs> yes. I wonder if that's gonna come back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it <we> does. Really, <laughs> you know, the movie benefits for so quickly getting to the future. But that does mean the past really has to just hit some bullet points. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We might as well have had headlines on the opening credits or something telling you what's going on. Like, I mean, for starters, if you had me over for dinner and then walked me into your garage where you had a gigantic time machine sitting, I would spit my drink across <laughs> the room like in a Marx Brothers movie. You'd have some questions. Everybody yeah. just walks in surveying the room like, okay, yes, yes. It would be just like, Charlie, what the fuck is happening now? What have you gotten yourself into? Like, no, everybody just had to hurry Why is it all bejeweled on the side? Yeah, why is this side bedazzled, but then this side's just, like, brown? Yeah. So, yeah, I I would have not been handling this cool. So maybe 1893 London had a little more manners. I I don't know. Well, they were all gentlemen. They They were all gentlemen. They really make a point of that, too. It's true. But... This movie is, we haven't even said, the, the director, Nicholas Meyer. Yeah. This guy yeah, is yeah. like the sci-fi guy. This guy understands how to do a time travel future movie better than anybody. Yeah. He did all the best Star Trek stuff. He was involved with all the Star Treks. Yeah. I think he wrote and directed Wrath of Khan. And yeah. at least and wrote. And Voyage Home. Yeah. And wrote Voyage uh, Home. Six. And uh, yeah. And The Day My After. My favorite Six. Like, the day after, the TV movie to end all. Oh, yeah, yeah. Apocalypse TV movies. And he did the best Sherlock Holmes 7% solution. Right, right. Whew, this guy, a Jack the Ripper H.G. Wells movie is like a Nicholas Meyer mashup. Mm-hmm. This guy is a legend in this community. <laughs> and uh, just had to get that out of the way. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah we absolutely. Get, He's we get, great. So we get our McDonald's scene of him yeah. trying his palm frites and uh, ordering a Big Mac <laughs> uh, with a pretty good punchline reveal later that he went there because he thought it was a Scottish restaurant. I, uh, yeah, I like that. That's a pretty good gag. But I also liked our laziest uh, product placement I've ever seen in a movie where he looks up at the sky outside <laughs> and there's just sky writing that says... <laughs> Doritos. Is that what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
just was like a, we- a Dorito. Were there Doritos Skyrider ads? It's in like the this 70s? weird, like skin looking. But it looked like he was looking at a it was so at like weird. a sky billboard, yeah, like yeah. in Blade Runner. <laughs> it looked like it was just a painting instead of actual sky riding. So that was weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never seen just the word just a blank. Doritos. It looked like they live exactly Doritos. Not even, just not even at a bus ad for Doritos. <laughs> Skywriting. So already the movie is just weird and fun and immediately kind of moves into uh, when he gets to meet people and meet new Mm. friends in America. And how great would it be to be just some weirdo wandering around a city, not understanding anything? Mm, and know. then Mary Steenburgen throws herself at you. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. Like, what? how would you handle this? I would probably, at the, yeah, at the point where you meet Mary Steenburgen and she goes gaga over you Just goes at first for you sight. Immediately. Like, she looks up from her desk and it literally does like a <laughs> at this bespeckled, yeah, she goes bananas suited, for this guy. doffy looking British dude. loves his look. She is an Anglophile. God, She's into I it. love Mary Steenburgen. This is maybe she the most so wonderful. sexually aggressive character <laughs> I've seen in a movie in quite some time. She it's knows like, what she wants. It's like a PG and she ver- goes for it. It's PG Laura Dern and <laughs> Wild and Pretty much. Yeah, exactly. She, oh, she's, she's Lula. Like, she's literally like, he'll be back. He'll be back. I mean, yeah. She is so sweet and so sexy and just so fun. It's such a great character. She's wonderful. This was she's them. Great. They got married after this movie. They, they I, it's one of those movies where they like fell in love and got married after the movie. Her and McDowell? Yeah. Oh. They were married for a decade. They got kids. Oh, I only know her as Ted Danson. Yeah, they, her and Dance have been married for like thirty years, but okay. no, for the I didn't know McDowell and her had a for like a, a thing. I think like a decade. Wow. Like right after this. So it's, I and I love movies where where you get uh, you know when we found out the people in them. Yeah, <laughs> of yeah. all movies, the people in them got got married from falling in love, and uh, like uh, Gosling and Ava Mendez and the Place Beyond the Pines. Hmm. When you're watching a movie with this love story at really its core, uh, it's really special. When you're like, ah, oh, it's like a little photo album of uh, <laughs> you know cool. these two people meeting. Really uh, adds some depth to a little romance. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah, they're married for like a decade, but I, I mean, love. Her in this She's movie, great. I love her character, and from his point of view, when this woman is throwing herself at you, dying to like begging to take you to lunch, yeah, yeah, just to pick your brain, just to get inside whatever you got going on. I had no idea we had a rotating restaurant in San Francisco. Yeah, that must not be there yeah, anymore. It can't be. <laughs> right. It was like uh, I had to look it up. It was on top of the Hyatt. Which oh, is yeah. prominently featured in this movie. Yeah, yeah. A rotating restaurant right next to the Bay Bridge? No. I have been going to the city for a long time. I'd never remember that. Mm-hmm. Never got to go. I've never been in one. Hmm. I want to. That's have you sad. been in one? Uh, no. We'll have to do that. I went up to the Space Needle once, but not the restaurant <laughs> not, part of it. Is the Space Needle a rotating restaurant? I, doesn't it have a restaurant up there? I don't know. I've never been up in the there Space Needle. There was an observation needle. deck it was where you t- could look. When I went to the Space Needle, I didn't like that it was $15. <laughs> and I oh my said, God. ah, never what mind. I'm not going up to the Space what Needle. A rip. 
<laughs> yeah. I said, I'm not falling for this Space Needle racket. The problem is you got to pay them another $15 to come back down. <laughs> they got you hostage up there. <laughs> they just keep you this. They just hold people in the needle. Yeah. Man. Yeah. There's, it's a there's savage people have been up there, up there a long time. Seattle, people are right to be scared of Seattle. <laughs> but <laughs> she's she immediately wants to take one of these dates. She goes out to the top of the Hyatt Regency, which also means she takes them to the restaurant that's in the same hotel that Jack they know Jack the Ripper's staying at. About half this movie takes place in or around <laughs> deal the, Hyatt. With the Hyatt Regency, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. They have they have uh, all those buildings where he's chasing him around, and, and yeah, it's <laughs> like chases. she seems to work down there, and then yeah, that plaza with the big fountain. Yeah, is right they're really there. like you know we can knock this movie out right here. Yeah, that bridge that joins the two. They're like we do the chase scene back and forth over this same bridge exactly. like a dozen times. We can just film one of the bridges. Yeah, and then we'll make just it look like two bridges. We'll go over to Cow Hollow and do a couple things over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it also. It's from that time where just because of Bullet, San Francisco had this reputation as this crazy car city, mm. which I have never known it to be. San Francisco is right. a difficult city to drive in due to the terrain, but I've never known it to be like aggressive, terrible, awful drivers. But after that's Bu- the East Bay, yeah. After Bullet, <laughs> yeah. After Bullet, though, San Francisco had this rep, so they yeah. even had to include a like when we're making a San Francisco movie, it needs a crazy cab driver. Yeah, the muscle car cab driver. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Like, we're not New York. We have never had uh, crazy, aggressive cab drivers in in the city. Yeah, you don't just, like, hail a cab in New York. Or, I mean, in San yeah. Francisco like you do in New York. It's so, yeah, very it was, strange. It was such a weird rep that... Uh, yeah. <laughs> but also, when they, they then she's, like, after lunch, she's dying to take him to the movies. And here's a joke I don't understand. I know I get confused in time travel movies, but they do one of those jokes that I always like in a time travel movie where you get like a deep sequel to a franchise. Yeah. yeah. But I don't get this joke that they did. So, you know, you always like seeing, uh, or something like in Back to the Future 2, where it's like Cubs win World Series right, and right. sweep. And you it's know? like Jaws 30 or yeah, something. Yeah, I love that shit. It's, a, it's the easiest, dumbest gag, but I love it. Especially if they do like, you know, Kramer versus Kramer three yeah yeah you know do something stupid but this one they come out of the movie exorcist four yeah and i don't get it because like exorcist two had come out just the year before yeah the movie takes place in 1979 yeah he's not in the deep future he went to the time where like the exorcist was just still a movie yeah not even three though. Like they not just even three. three. They just like four just came out like what like eight months after two. I don't understand your joke. That is strange. It. I don't get why they're <laughs> picking on The Exorcist. I don't get. Usually it's like a like a I don't know. I'm so confused by that joke. I would that would be the only question. I would I would be the nerdiest guy in the in this one scene, Nicholas Meyer. Yeah, right. But I don't get it. Like, and yeah. also they did that stupid thing, which if I was a director and this got changed in post, it would be my biggest nightmare where supposedly the gag movie I'm seeing is the exorcist four, but the movie they're watching is nothing but machine guns and yeah. fighter jets and mortar blasts. Like what the fuck is exorcist <laughs> four about? Yeah. I really want to see that movie. <laughs> the exorcist four sounds crazy. Yeah. But so, then, like, so they're in the movie, and H.G. Wells is doing the thing where he's hiding from the movie because he thinks yeah, it's real. This is the first movie. And Mary Steenburgen's like, can I cook you dinner? It's like, lady, 
Something is wrong with this guy. He is <laughs> Something is wrong he here. He's like unfrozen caveman lawyer, and he's just like, your moving pictures frightened me. And she's like, let me take you back to my place. It's pretty nice. He's I'm, flipping out like those people you see watching a, a train arrives at a station, and they're just like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. And he's just thinking it's Armageddon. And he's like, I got to get back to my fucking mosquito ship. <laughs> Yeah, yeah immediately weird, she's like, I don't know if this is too forward, but I live right over. Like, she is just tossing it towards Malcolm McDowell, who is just bumbling his way through everything. It, is, it must be so hard to find a good man in 1970s San Francisco. Right? What does I this think she say even makes about some, this? She even makes some really bad comment about, like, at least he's not gay or something. Yeah. Like, oh, boy. There's a couple. I mean. She says a couple things in this movie that are like, whoo. That is also we had no real confirmation at this point that he was not gay. <laughs> so I mean, him and, she took a she had a yeah. real like leap of faith, I think. Right. But him so, and Dr. John Leslie had a close bond there. Yeah, there was de- it was definitely one of those like point break relationships. Yeah. It was like that, you know, Bodie was really looking in Keanu's eyes mm-hmm. when they were like they were having moments and there was a lot of that with John Leslie. Yeah. And so, yeah, I love this great when it becomes this kind of slow chase through <laughs> San Francisco with H.G. Uh, Wells chasing oh, modern yeah, yeah. Jack the Ripper. We finally, yeah, they finally, we finally collide. Yeah. I love that- the reveal that Jack's got the modern clothes Dude. and cut the mustache. I'm like, this guy gets it. Jack the Ripper immediately fits in to disco 70s. Hell yeah. He gets the cut. He's got like the Peter Torque. Yeah. Like monkeys cut immediately. You almost don't even recognize. <laughs> well, like, I, yeah, it's like you forget that he had this comical mustache yeah, in yeah. the first scene. But I went back to skim through the movie for a few scenes. He has this huge, like you said, this great, ridiculous mustache. I love the facial prosthetics. <laughs> Just for the first 10 minutes of the movie. Yeah. They loaded it up. God bless. And. Yeah, but then he's like immediately like gets a nice suit, and then later he's oh, got yeah. this like black turtleneck denim oh, he vest gets, combo. He is immediately like the king of the mods. And H.G. Wells flick. has the same brown suit so the entire movie. He is just movie. sweating up his <laughs> just his you heavy can see it getting suit. stained with yeah, sweat. Yeah, man, you can he's see just it getting, getting dirtier scummy. and dirtier. You do not see this guy out of this suit the he's entire so, time. So sweaty by the end of this movie, it yeah. is insane. <laughs> he is just grimy, <laughs> never getting a break. Just on the run constantly, whereas meanwhile, Jack the Ripper is just living the London high life yeah. in late 70s San Fran. It's insane. <laughs> but yeah, and I the, love it. The, yeah, they had their first tussle, uh, and then the old... Well, I love how, I love how he, immediately we get, like you said earlier, you need to tie it to something. You need It needs some kind of moral social grounding, or else you're just like, you know, skipping around. Right, right, right. And I love how... Jack the Ripper makes the point of wanting to live in 1979 because it was so fucked. Yeah, yeah. Just like, this is it. Like, this is where I need to be. Like, he even says something like, I'm home. Right. Like, he's just flipping through all the violence on news. So it's like, this movie is straight up making social points about people going out and buying guns at will mm-hmm. 40 plus years ago this movie's older than me and it's already like how easy is it for americans to get guns right yeah this society is idiotic we well, have hg wells talking about socialism in the beginning of the movie yeah, free have, love yeah and the, the really kind of yeah the disturbing tv montage of 
all the terrible headlines that's like a real staple in time travel. Oh, yeah. Or like the fifth element where she's like catching up. Yeah. And it's just like war, war, war. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the original time machine. You want, you know, that he goes through the horrific wars and then he's just buried in rubble for, you know, 900,000 years until society and completely starts over. And this one just cuts like 80 years in the future. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit more uh, believable fish out of water. They don't have to reinvent too many things. But I like that Jack the Ripper immediately recognizes that a sociopath can thrive. Mm. And back then it was just people that were uh, gentlemen. You know, <laughs> yeah, we yeah. kept our killings private. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we did it in the alleyways. Yeah, we did it in the alleyways. And we invented science in the basement. <laughs> and yeah. he immediately is just into like... 1979 San Francisco and there's a lot of great not hammered in social commentary around how easily he's fitting in Mm -hmm. and how much of a complete outlier Malcolm McDowell is in every scene he's in he looks like a guy in a prank show yeah running past them like a candid camera bit and uh you know, Jack Virgin- the Ripper just looks like a cool, cool guy, like, yeah. business terrorist. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ma- Mary Steenburgen, when she's finally undressing him to get his clothes yeah. off, it's like, this is some sort of a costume. <laughs> I'm sorry. She has this weird. She's not she has like this weird accent. In, she has a weird accent in this movie that I was trying to. She's not. She's like, can I help you? She's from like Arkansas. <laughs> she's not from like the Bronx. She was doing some weird New York like. <laughs> Her, East Coast vo- her voice this kept movie. changing. Yeah. For for Malcolm McDowell to just be like, nope, just doing my voice, I couldn't figure out where she was supposed to be from. Okay. So that I wasn't get just that, me. But it wasn't like and it's funny Long Island. No. I kind of think it was. <laughs> it like, might have, maybe it was. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it was. Uh, but yeah, she's like, is this some sort of a costume or, you know. Yeah, uh, where are these buttons? I've never seen these buttons before. And. Uh, yeah, she still doesn't. She n- does not know he's from the past for like a long time, right? Right. But, but like, nonetheless, she's into that. is still deeply into this guy's mystery. Yeah. And imagine, like, so how far do you think like sex came in ninety years or so? Like, when if you went from like, imagine us like a fussy, stodgy eighteen ninety three London sex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then two days later, like a nineteen seventy nine San Francisco. Mary Steenburgen. Well, like you said, I very much could believe H.G. Wells is a virgin in that scene. Like, (laughs) he looks like a 14 year old kid who doesn't know what he's doing. And she says the words, I'm practically raping you. Yeah, man. Which was like jaw dropping to watch. So great. And so, yeah, I'm sure sure it wasn't like that in the old days. No, man. In that (laughs) scene, I. So she's she's an Oscar winning actress. She won an Oscar a year or two after this, and Melvin and Howard. Hmm. But. The scene, I think she's so good in this. I would have loved for her to get a nomination, and that was the scene I would show. Maybe not the rapist joke. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. But her demeanor in that, the start of that scene is so sweet. And we just, the only explanation we've been given for why she is just so horny for this guy (laughs) is her herself being like, I don't know. I just want to like bang this guy she, she, so bad. Yeah, yeah. And she's telling her coworker this, and his, her coworker's just like, Jesus. Like, well, the, the oh night after, God. the night after when she goes uh, to work, she's like, one word, fabulous. She's so apparently so it was good. Smitten with this. Apparently, guy. HG but performed well. That scene, you know, when you're seeing these people fall in love in the movie, and that scene starts. They're doing the classic 
like last American virgin guy sitting a cushion yeah, yeah, apart exactly. from a girl. And she says something like, like, if you do not take me in your arms this minute, I will scream. Felt like one of those really good Nora Ephron mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of lines, you know, and you get this really sweet turn towards each other. So really, I really liked how yeah. they played that scene and really didn't play the romance as a joke. Mm-hmm. They really had the seriousness of the love, and it didn't. Uh, all the jokes and other satire never infringed on that. And that scene, I thought, kind of established how important the love was going to be to this story. And I got really into it. At yeah, that point. you do. You do really care about them. Yeah. caring about each other at the end of the movie. He's also like and you super it, you on know? the couch. He's really super concerned with consent he's a very forward hg wells is really writing himself as a cool like a really cool guy (laughs) like he'll really like get you to sign a form well they were saying something about him writing about free love back in the 1890s yeah yeah yeah. i was like well maybe i would travel back in time reading about hg wells he was like a uh you know very forward promiscuous uh philanderer Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A real and piece spoke, of shit. Yeah, <laughs> real piece of shit. You see those old pictures of his hair slicked back? Real piece of shit. You can tell. That and, dog. Yeah. and uh, But yeah, very forward thinking. And forward thinking is like a probably a really good trait to have in time travel. They'll probably would, at least yeah, give right. you a step up. And uh, But yeah, so he's already a day and a half into his trip. He's chased a guy on one of the... Movie has one of the most fantastic foot races <laughs> we've ever seen. Yeah, in in a film where you, f- I found out later that uh, Warner had <laughs> was recovered from like double ankle surgery. Wow. Double ankle surgery. What? Did, I don't know what this guy. Did. Was, David Warner somehow broke both ankles yeah. before this movie, I guess, and then had to do a chase scene. And it is the most slow. It it is like <laughs> it is ginger. It is it just is like such a gingerly walking. Yeah, it's the Irish man scene. like fight scene. Yeah. So these two guys, both with bum legs. Yeah, because McDowell apparently had a bum ankle too, <laughs> he had right? A bad ankle. Hey guys, why don't we get you to run and around? They're like for walking five downstairs after each other, and Warner's like clinging with both hands to a handrail. Yeah. Like. But I also kind of like that it works within the story of them wearing, of Malcolm McDowell wearing these shitty old 1893 boots yeah, yeah. and having to navigate this uh, 1979 yeah. but architecture. There's, there's a scene where Warner looks like Rick Dalton at the pool, just running with his shoulders <laughs> up, just like doesn't want to slip, but he's got to get the flamethrower. <laughs> when he's at his slippies on, on the slick concrete, yeah, and he's like, kind of waddling with his whole shoulders up. The Manson girl in the pool, he's just like, oh, shit, oh, shit, shit, go, 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 go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Warner is, is just going through Embarcadero Plaza yeah, doing just that. Just navigating some tough terrain, like, shit, 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 shit. <laughs> yeah, it looks like he can't bend his legs. Uh, he's kind looks, of Frankenstein his way through the future. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it does kind of work to think of, like, two guys that are... Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Out of out of their surroundings, there's a great scene. How where, much running and chasing could there have really been in 1893 London from, oh, among these Wells men? Wells is not chasing people. Yeah, normally. So no. this, it kind of fits in with uh, right. with everything. But yeah, you get this great chase for, and he's Jack the Ripper is immediately murdering prostitutes. Oh yeah, this he doesn't waste is, any time. It's kind of a smart thing they did by making him immediately adjust because he immediately becomes just Ted Bundy. Mm. He immediately becomes a guy who just charms like bar, you know, women yeah. at bars and uh, gets them rides and then just murders them. And so it's 
really puts a great it's 1979 mm-hmm. you know it's like summer of sam killings like they made a they make a zodiac reference yeah in, in a scene with the cops yeah, yeah 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 so uh it's a really cool look and uh at that kind of killing but in this kind of very smart approach to this story and that's why i said it kind of it really ranks with the best of the back to the future stuff it's kind of amazing that this yeah. movie is it's not really as talked about. It's it's loved. It's definitely got a following, but it never really got the same acclaim that a lot of the other big budget time travel movies get. Yeah, but it I don't know. It's yeah. amazing. It's, it's like so I said, good. it's one that had been on my radar for a decade. Right, it's just one that everybody's waiting has on their queue to watch honestly, for a decade. Honestly, this might be a little controversial. I think the title hurts. Time after time doesn't sound like <laughs> an exciting adventure chase. It sounds like that movie Somewhere in Time with Christopher Reeve. I've something. never heard of this one. That's so like a ro- that's like a romance. Well, total romance. But I don't know, time after time and then you see like a pocket watch on the on the <laughs> yeah. cover. It's like I mean it could have it'd be really easy to mess up the ad campaign for this. Uh supposedly they the ad campaign really focused on it being a Jack the Ripper movie. Mm. So people thought it was just a PG slasher. Weird. And nobody yeah, wanted yeah. to see a PG slasher. Sure. So it just bombed. Yeah. So the whole, yeah, apparently the whole ad campaign was just a Jack the Ripper movie. It walks Instead a of, fine line. I mean, there are there's a scene late in the movie where it's a reveal on a huge bloody room. Yeah. And it's like, woof, there's some, mm-hmm. you know, there's some cutting. It's got that PG TV movie from that same era level violence. Right, right. Where you see it, like a lot of approaching with a weapon. And it's some of the best horror and some of the most effective horror for me because they really focus since they couldn't show a lot of like neck stabbing or anything like that the sheer terror you get in those scenes is always very scary to me mm-hmm. they really focused on that since we can't show gore we have to show a person scared to death well and they do a great job at towards the end where hg wells has been detained by the cops as they yeah. think he's the crazy guy and uh you know he knows jack the ripper is going to get Mary Steenberg. Yeah, they they've and gone so into the future this, and they've seen what's happened. Yeah, they've seen that he's going to attack her, and so there's when this he, great scene where he's pleading, "Go, you know, yes. I'll tell you whatever you want." And he's so you get this like high energy of him, just like you got to get over there. He's going to get her, and then this stalking slowness of him in the in the apartment. Yeah, and, yeah, it's you very know, very Hitchcock feeling. Very Hitchcock. Yeah, I it mean, was really cool. It, it also has given me vibes of Atkins with the mustache at the end of Halloween Three. <laughs> totally. Yeah, you get some of those. Turn like, it off. Yeah, Turn you, that you start getting you some know. like Dutch angles. Oh uh, the yeah, yeah, yeah. And so yeah, the Hitchcock vibes. Once those start coming through, and already, I mean, the Hyatt Regency is. I mean, the movie has major Vertigo mm. vibes. Yes. Oh, right yeah. when we get to the Hyatt Regency, anyway. Right. I don't know if that. There was a lot of areas that were. If they weren't in Vertigo, then they were in the same part totally. of the city. Give me a movie where a guy is looking for someone else in San Francisco. Yeah, man. That just looking out of so cool. looking out of those sick glass elevators at the Hyatt. Yeah, those are so, those are cool. That, that's a thing that like my, my parents took me to, oh, and yeah. those were designed after the architecture in uh, Things to Come. So they oh, actually had, they were like an H.G. Wells influenced uh, architecture Love in that, that part of the building. Love that. So you got to place i guess 70 percent of the movie there <laughs> everybody lives right around that same exact block of land apparently it's perfect yeah. and yeah I, downtown financial district <laughs> i yeah. love that that great terror of him knowing exactly when this murder and exactly when this death and so you get that great kind of palma de palma blowout ending 
Yes, this, yeah, yeah. You know, where that it's intercut with this encroaching murder. Very De Palma in that in that sequence for me. For a movie where some of the direction felt a little, you know, I guess it was his first movie. You know, but scenes like that were like, oh, he really gets how to build this mounting horror and the frenetic energy and really effective stuff. Mm. And I'm maybe I'm a sucker, but I think I would really quickly believe a guy from the future. I don't know. <laughs> like, I think I would be convinced pretty easy. And maybe I, I don't think I get convinced by dumb stuff usually, but it sometimes frustrates me how. It takes like four super weird things in these time travel movies to make somebody go like, okay, maybe it's not just parlor tricks. Well, it's like she spent so much. Yeah, you're talking about him trying to explain to Mary Steenburgen. Well, him explain to anybody, him to the cop, him to Mary Steenburgen. But it's like like, she's been into it the whole time with the costume buttons and him not knowing what a phone is. Right. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, now you're some asshole who's going to tell me he's from the past. Yeah, now like, you're t- all uh, right. Now I never want to see you again. I just thought you what? were the weirdest man I'd ever met in my but life. Present day weirdest man. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it, this man that's known literally nothing that I've told him about, like the Second World War. <laughs> yeah. What about the Third World War? And she's like, "What the fuck is this?" She keeps going like, "Where have you been for like?" And he's just like. It always just gets uh, explained away with like, ah, well, uh, nevertheless. I love the bit where she's like, me and my friends were at the anti-war demonstration a few years ago. And he's like, ah, World War II. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, no, Vietnam. Like, oh, uh, yeah. Oh, right, yes. Uh, <laughs> like the guy clearly doesn't know a single thing about anything. And she's been into it entirely up until the moment where he's like, so I'm from the future, and she's like, nope. <laughs> well, nope. he'd be from the past, but yeah. yeah. from the past. and yeah. But also, I'm, I'm H.G. Wells is a bit to swallow. Yeah, but at least that's... But then it does lead... <laughs> so we immediately have to go into her, you know, you get the scene being like, no, I refuse to believe this, which turns into a great scene of him showing her around the H.G. Wells exhibit. Right. If I had my own exhibit in the future... I think I'd be able to convince some people. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a real easy, like, method. You're always having to get these complicated, like, all right, if I can show you this one thing, he's like, oh, it turns out there's a bunch of my old shit. <laughs> uh, like a few, like a, like a easy walk from here. O- open up that desk drawer. <laughs> yeah. My glasses. Same ones I'm wearing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, the whole routine. And so she's immediately doing this, like, you can't even go through a, a phase of, like, no. It can't be. She goes straight to like, well, yeah, it's really hard to refute this. <laughs> Pretty convincing yeah, stuff. Yeah, you, because uh, everybody else, I've never personally seen, you know, because in the original time machine where he makes this toy time machine completely disappear from the table and all of them are like, you can get any old magician to do this trick at the hippodrome. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, she's just immediate. I've never seen n- magic like that, guys. So anyway. She's immediately just like, yep, this would not be possible. So <laughs> I guess you you are who you say you are. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Don't know why I was such an idiot earlier. So I, we get a tight resolution there with that one. That's good. But yeah. the cops always have to stay dumb. Cops never get it. Yeah, the cops do that scene of like, hey, anyone can get a trick newspaper. Like, yeah. really? You can go Where? to any old <laughs> shop and get them to print up a 32-page explicitly detailed newspaper with all original. They can <laughs> yeah. whip it up in four minutes. <laughs> Don't fall for this asshole's shtick. We hear it every day. 
Well, that's the thing. Maybe if you're a cop, crazy people come in off the street telling you they're a time traveler like sure. once a week or something. He, yeah, he doesn't help his case by sounding at all times like a completely crazy Total person. Total lunatic. Yeah, calling and, himself Sherlock Holmes first. That's not going to get you no, very far. It's a but, bad alias. You know, in my life personally, I've never had anyone claim to be a time traveler, so yeah. I don't know how I don't know how I would react. You no, know? I would fuck it up. I mean, I wouldn't be doing half as well as H.G. Wells does. If I was suddenly thrown 85, 90 years in the future, I'd be a mess. I'd be oh, immediately just like, I'm so confused and scared. <laughs> like, I need to tell you this. Yeah. And I would immediately sound like a crazy. I don't think I would cool it. Well, we'd probably be unvaccinated against some disease everyone oh, else yeah. has. And we'd die immediately. I would die immediately. <laughs> it's like, I would either die immediately or just infect the world. The problem with the time travel thing is that in the real, if you really think about it, not really that fun. <laughs> <laughs> Every aspect of time travel scares me to death. It's kind of like, and, the, and there's a cool thing of him, H.G. Wells, in the movie being like, I belong in, yeah. in my time. Yeah. And it's like, I feel that way. I feel that. I, I'm not one of those guys who's always like, man, I should have been born in the 50s or something. It's like, no. Nah, right. When I'm, I think I, of- I play video games. I, uh, <laughs> I, have, I like the phone that I have. Yeah, I really I, liked getting to play the Super Nintendo when I was like 11. I, that feels like a real cool age to play the Super Nintendo. There's a cool like Nickelodeon doc- documentary on Hulu or something about, you know, just... Oh the, yeah, the early days, and it, and me and Katie are watching. We're like, yeah, we're pretty lucky we got to like. Yeah, that specific this. ninety, like eighty nine to ninety four period feels like a really perfect time like, for a for like a we were a white nine to fourteen year old. Yeah, like yeah, you get your Are You Afraid of the Dark, Legends of the Hidden Temple. It's right. great. Yeah, that they, was primo. Like they we cover were, all that. I was like, yeah, we had a pretty good. We had the easy. We didn't know it would be like fucked. We didn't know we were paying like paying in advance. But like, yeah, yeah, yeah. but that like nine eighty nine to ninety four was like peak tween years for us, and right. uh, I love that sentiment that's at the core of this movie. The whole movie's message is that love is the most important, consistent thing throughout time because every time gets corrupted. Mm-hmm. Like he's um, at one point immediately just like, well, I'm convinced. Every twenty years or so, people will fuck it up all over again, and uh, it's like uh, he's such a positive character that you know the time machine was all about. H.G. Wells going back to the future and wanting to change that future utopian society after conquering the Morlocks and breaking down this capitalistic society. Mm-hmm. And this H.G. Wells is like, no, I know where I belong. <laughs> I got. I do not belong 90 years in the future. It's been, man, it's been several presidents. Yeah. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm going back. And yeah. He's a very earnest, honest, mm-hmm. kind of, like I said, naive almost character and it's a it's a nice approach to it not the all-conquering world hero who's gonna save a society yeah he's just trying to stop a few more people from being murdered it's really a a, a simple quest yeah he's he's just trying to fix his mistake yeah and he immediately regrets with his machine yeah he knows this will fall into the wrong hands and honestly yeah that's why time it would immediately be used for bad that's why the terminator exists yeah that's what Skynet is, people. It all comes down to Skynet. It's the most terrifying thing. But time travel, nobody's going to be going back to do good shit. Mm-hmm. Like, only dorks like me will be like, wish I could see like the 1984 Stop Making Sense tour. <laughs> like, I'm not going back to murder anyone. Right. But, <laughs> or to save Kennedy or anything. Yeah, no. Yeah, I'm not doing an 11 63 I'm not living four years of my life. Although, God, I do love that life that that man led for four years That's in a rural good time Texas. Travel story. So, yeah. Jesus. But <laughs> uh, getting back to kind of the Vertigo vibe and the Hitchcock mm. vibe of not only the culminating plot, but the score. 
I'd never mm. heard of the, the, the man who did the score, Mikos Rosa, but his score had these great little Bernard Herman vertigo notes to it that Definitely. were very clearly intentional, but was still this own sweeping piece that really felt perfect for kind of the whimsy parts of the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind yeah, of like yeah. a, giving a lighter, a flirty score to the Mary Steenburgen parts to really kind of... A lot of like piccolos. And, yeah, 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 yeah. Really made her one of those iconic 80s women characters like Terry Garr and Tootsie right mm-hmm. around that time, you know, or a working girl mm-hmm. kind of women. They, I loved her character in this. And I think that score was just a really big, important part to this film. Uh, I noticed that a little more when I watched the second time, how much yeah. it really made certain... Well, it's like in that scenes ch- just really pop in that chase scene. Like yeah, we talked about like it's a couple guys hobbling around. These guys are broken, man. And These guys are walking on three bad legs. It, and the score feels like it's really having to do some <laughs> it feels work. Feels like we're watching Bullet. It's like the score is like yeah, we're watching like guys shuffling across a plaza. It was like the De Niro fight. It's just this guy, like, is he in slippers? <laughs> like, he can't lift his feet. He was just, oh, my God. Yeah. God bless him for doing it. But, yeah, the, meanwhile, the score's like, bum, 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 bum. It's this epic, like, almost like a classy Indiana Jones kind of thing that really makes it feel like a caper. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I love that it just builds to this big fight between H.G. Wells wanting, wanting just to live for love. And Jack the Ripper just is like, I just want to, like, GTA this shit you know he's just i want to cause shit to happen just give me the keys to the thing and yeah. let me just do crimes i want to go do crimes in other times yeah he just wanted to just go fuck up in other yeah. areas just go free play and i guess yeah respect like he's just he's just out with it you know he doesn't he's like a, the most he's yeah. just such a cad david warner's such a scoundrel as his jack the him. ripper uh it's it really when you're jack the ripper who, who you can't be shown doing anything violent. You couldn't even you notice. You couldn't even show him with bloody attire. Mm. It always had to be just a, a isolated hand with a bloody glove, not like with on his man. So yeah, it was really PG. But he really s- still came out like such a uncaring psycho. Yeah, that you really bought into the horror, and it came down to that really climactic, uh, cool Back to the Future thing where he knows the exact time where this huge event you know that that's that's the that's the big sticking point with that's the big thing right what we're Mm -hmm. all getting to in these time travel movies the event Mm -hmm. the event that the guy knows is happening at the spot you know and all the good time travel movies have a good the event right and i loved this one i loved the big standoff uh in the you know san francisco looks cool at night some of the old gothier places you know and I loved the big standoff with him just deciding to be a dick for no reason. <laughs> just Jack the Ripper immediately getting into that troll attitude of the future of like, I know I said I would do this, but I'm not going to. I'm not. She's, she's going to come a gentleman. with me. I'm going to take the time machine. Yeah. And we. it all goes back to our big, uh, the final, I guess the final battle at the time machine itself. And who would have guessed? <laughs> It would all come down. I did not see this coming. You did not see this coming, (laughs) that all it would take for H.G. Wells to to solve this whole thing is just taking out that one part that he said, oh, yeah, the whole thing doesn't work without this. Guy just gets thrown into infinity. Yeah. Just does it. And then Jack the Ripper just kind of... So explain it to me. He kind of gives him a look, 
and like a knowing nod, like he's Obi-Wan. Is it just him going like, you've accepted that violence is the way to solve everybody's problems? I think it it goes back to that chess game they have in the beginning because, uh, yeah, as as Jack the Ripper is about to get into the time machine, he says, you know, it's checkmate. Checkmate. And I've won again or something. And so then when he gets in and he's like, Oh yeah, the vaporizer. Oh wait, no, the vaporizer equalizer. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so then he like looks back. He's like, "Yeah, yeah." Looks like you got me checkmate this time, uh, my friend. You know, so it's like that kind of, or or it's just like a yeah. I should have killed you. Yep, I should have killed you. Yeah, he has like <laughs> a real. The it's the final, just like well, salute before he's <laughs> thrown into a light like the biggest hell any man has ever just experienced. Oblivion, just oblivion for the next billion years. Oh, man, this guy is in for a hell. <laughs> and he's just, before he goes, though, he's just like, well played. Yep, exactly. Well played, sir. Yeah, Stroking his invisible handlebar mustache. Right. Mm-hmm. The, he, yeah, he keeps thinking he's still got the mustache. <laughs> yes, oh, yes. yeah, right. No, I shaved that. And, but the love story that keeps building and building, that great I love you, that I love the I love you cut in this movie where she has fallen for this guy who, by pff, no fault of his own, I guess. He's just really, I said, just, just stumbling upstairs, man. ass backwards in love is, here. It's like a classic. It's not quite the, like, you know, Fred Flintstone getting Wilma or, you know, Barney getting Betty. You know, like, who are these chubby guys getting, <laughs> right. you know, the classic honeymooners but thing? But it is very kind of like but Homer similar, Simpson just, and Marge. Like, 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 this guy could be doing anything. And she's just like, oh my God. <laughs> This man just is crazy. (laughs) And she has just fallen for it. And I love that great, our first I love you, we don't get this big sappy, like, running to meet each other at the airport scene. We just get her blurting it out and the scene immediately cutting Hmm. to the the chase, you know? I just liked how they, they really just, it felt like a genuine love story, which, again... These people were married for a decade after this. This led to something. Those sparks were there. A chemistry like this just can really make it. And I love this specific vibe that could have really not worked of this aggressive female. Yeah, yeah. You need somebody as as perfect. She's so Mary Steenburgen and so perfect because she has that she plays innocent really well. But this one, like you said, she's so aggressive too. Overtly PG horny. Yeah, yeah. And it's this great balance. But, but of, you as the audience need to fall in love with her uh-huh. doing it. Not she just is be like, doing it in such a fun. It's like a, a real early z- take on the Zoe Deschanel. Sure. Uh, <laughs> quirky. Right, right. I don't want to say she's like the manic pixie uh, originator <laughs> no, no, of this. No. I don't want to say that. But uh, you have to have that cute, likable, uh, sweet side. But she's also a very like woman first, powerful yeah. female. That's that women's lib. Uh, they talk about it in the movie. Ah, quite women's a bit. liberation. Women's liberation. Ah. We do. Yeah, we get some nice sexism when he doesn't. No, 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 no. I need to speak with your boss at the bank, <laughs> milady. And she's immediately like, "This man, <laughs> this charmingly misogynistic man, you hunk a man, he, you." He just immediately is negging her, and it works. Like that's oh, what it first one. That's the secret. It it it, it was easier in nineteen seventy nine. You yeah. just need to like call her a mean name, and she's oh my god, 
<laughs> okay. He doesn't respect He's me. He's wearing at weird all. buttons on his suit. Doesn't respect me. <laughs> I gotta see what this guy's Smells about. Smells like a guy who would smell in eighteen ninety three. Sweating up a storm. Took one bath a week and is wearing that suit the whole time. The one thing this movie I would have loved to seen is like him showering or being like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The water's coming out of the wall. I am a real sucker for people experiencing shit. <laughs> the, yeah. the most basic things. I am a dumb guy. Just see him watching like a, a dumb cartoon on a TV screen and going, oh, <laughs> like, I love it. I love to well, see then, it. Yeah. Nicholas Meyer famously, famously wrote a bunch of the same kind of stuff in Star Trek four. Sure. Which is all the best stuff of just like double dumbass you and, and, <laughs> yeah. and all of that stuff yeah. in Star Trek Four kills. It's just I love that all stuff of that. Kills. Yeah. Them with the uh coming across the punks. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's that's Nicholas Meyer right there. So you can tell I <laughs> like how would we, it's crazy we didn't get the it's nineteen seventy nine. I think, didn't get punks. I want to say the, I want to say the punk with the boombox was something that maybe got cut from this movie oh. that he used in Star Trek. There was like, something I'm where it's getting, like he I'm used getting a couple the things. guys. I'm confronting some punks if I'm a time traveler. I'm getting right. that in. Yeah, I like it. I like that he was committed to that bit. Yeah, it works. It, it's one of the. It's still funny. In he was Star also going to have H.G. Wells say nuclear vessels, but then didn't do that. That was. Star Trek <laughs> no, I have a bunch of gags for Wells. I got guys. so many gags. These are perfect for checkoff. Though. And. Uh, I, I just really like that her relationship with him, she's so aggressive that it seems just unbelievable. But then the more you hear him talk about his romantic ideals of love and you get her romantic ideals of love while pointing out that he's conveniently everything, apparently, that her ex-husband was not. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This guy just lucked into a one in a billion shot. To have every single thing that this woman hated about her husband, and he's the best at it. I mean, come on. Come on. What, of all the times to land. <laughs> and uh, it's so fantastical, yet it becomes so believable and so sweet. And so uh, where you're crazy, like, you know what? The best thing to do with time travel is for this one couple to just be happy. Mm-hmm. somewhere and realize that they saved humanity from whatever this time machine would like that's the direction it should have gone and the sweetest way to end it and i like that they did that by also sending a man to as an eternity in, in like a <laughs> awful harlan ellison deathscape yeah, right. so there is that there is they kind of have to acknowledge to Poor each other jack the ripper just floating through time mm-hmm. he he like just says it just to like well i feel i have to but we can move past it right when we <laughs> confront it yeah. Gets that out of the way nice and quick with the one thing that he told would the whole story would hinge on 10 minutes into the movie. It's a great movie, though. It's it's, a, it's one of my favorite time travel movies. Yeah, feels very classic. Yeah, uh, where would this, like, what's uh, is Back to the Future? You're a big Back to the Future sure, guy. Sure. You like the whole trilogy? Man, I mean, A, Back to the Future, he travels to November 5th, which oh, he does in yeah. this movie. And I, then doesn't that whole thing look in Back to the Future just like the digital version of that, like, beginning and ending time oh yeah mechanism. i mean well that's the thing all these time travel movies not only fuck with you by reminding you that if anybody in your lifetime invents time travel then everything is over yeah just reminding you that every future turns out with war and death within like 40 years of whenever that person was writing the story so the more time travel movies we get not only are they showing you that like yeah your your generation might be it mm-hmm but then they all have been referencing each other now for like 60 years. 
And so then they're just all reminding you, and then they're messing with your head that these movies could have been time-traveled for another place. Like I said, whenever I start to think about time travel, I feel like the smallest thing in the universe. Mm. It's always the most depressing, scary thing to me. And this movie puts that kind of fear into a nice, wraps it into a nice, like, kind of love package. And I really like that stance about it. I like that it wasn't just about the horrors that men can do. It's about understanding that the relationships we cultivate in any timeline we end up in, that's that's what matters. And this movie nailed it. I thought this movie stuck so well with those two. Not a casting I would have thought of, honestly. Obviously, it worked out if they made it a decade. That's why I mean, yeah, Malcolm McDowell is just such a, so unlike what I know him to be (laughs) in this movie. He's earnest and... And he begs, and and he yes, he's, he's an old fool. Like there's he this calls himself sweet sincerity and, and totally to him. It. Yeah, that usually with his eyes and his voice and presence, usually it's much more of a Terrence Stamp right, kind right. of sinister presence. And he's so open faced and open about his confusion, and not really trying to hide the fact that he's this crazy fish out of water. Mm-hmm. Really trying to approach this as honestly as possible. Right, right. <laughs> and she is just that perfect blend of of sweet and uh, kind of aggressively crazy and i didn't i wouldn't have thought to cast the two of them together and it's one of my favorite screen couples i'm just really charmed by this whole yeah, movie it's a total charmer that's what yeah. it is it's like a be a good date night movie yeah be a good movie for the family it's i don't it's, know i think it's it's it's, it's a it's, charming fun tale and yeah. it's on hbo max right now it's streaming it, it looks great yeah uh, there's a recent warner remaster of it and it's a fun movie uh, it's one of the more uh, under under the radar time travel movies. It never mm-hmm. made the money that Back to the Future or any of those other ones did. And right, right. It deserves the, it deserves a new audience. And San Francisco always looks great on film. Oh, that's watch it just for that. If anything, and enjoy the love at heart. Yeah, it came to this. It did. I'm Eric. I'm Charlie. Thank you guys for listening. Good night. <laughs> <laughs>